You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to be speaking today about healing. Um, As you turn there, I'm going to tell you a story. Back about 20 years ago, my wife and I were part of a a different church than this one. Different pastor, the whole deal. Different state. And um, I was on the, I was one of the leaders of the church, and we, um, one of our church members passed away. And, uh, you know, he was a nice guy, and I hated to see him go, but he went home to be with the Lord. So they, um, they had, they had arranged a service and everything, and we all, Went, uh, you know, went to went to the wake, and then we went to the service. Now, as we were uh, in the service, at the very end of the service, they said, "Okay, the family would like to uh, invite you to come downstairs. We're going to have a, a meal, you know, like you do at a funeral." But I'm sitting there going, "Well, that's odd, because normally you go and plant the guy first. You don't go eat. I mean, as hungry as you may be, <laughs> you got to wait." Well. In this particular case, we, uh, we went right downstairs, and we're sitting there. You know, we had these big round tables, like eight chairs at each one, and my wife and I are sitting there, and we're eating, and here comes the pastor, and he's carrying this purple velvet bag with these ropes. You know how the ropes can cinch up the top of the bag? And he's swinging it like this. He comes over and puts it down in front of me. He says, keep an eye on that. So I grab it. I said, what's this? And it was hot. I said, now, I mean, when my wife, when she cooks stuff, she bakes cakes and stuff. I love her, her angel food cake with chocolate frosting on top of it. Oh, I love it right out of the oven. But in this case here, I said, what, what is this? And he said, that's so-and-so's ashes right out of the oven. I didn't like that. <laughs> it gave me the willies, man. I almost couldn't. Well, I did finish my meal, but I almost couldn't. Now, <laughs> you know, now here, when I was inventing this sermon, here's, uh, here's what uh, I, I thought about that. And I said, why would I share that? And it's just to say this. Maybe if he had known what I'm going to teach you today, he would still be with us today. Plus, it was a little funny. okay this is my ipad (laughs) we're going to start at isaiah 53 and verse 1 it says who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the lord revealed he'll grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground There is no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He is despised, and we esteemed him not surely. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. The very first 
sentence in here is, who has believed our report? If you're going to get healing, you got to believe it. It's got to be reality down here. It's like when I was first in the Word back in 1978, I bought my first Bible. I'm sitting there going, cool, I got a Bible, man. I'm going down the street. I was working, but, you know, I was sloughing off. I'm going down the street, and I, there was a school I went to when I was just a little kid, and it was summer, and the school was closed. So I pulled in the parking lot and went around the back and sat there. There's nobody around, and I sat there. I started reading. And as I was reading the Bible, it's like, in a, you ever turn a light on in a dark room, and all of a sudden you can see? It's like I was getting that on the inside of me. All of a sudden, I was seeing, and, and little bits of the Word of God were becoming revelation to me. And I realized, how come people didn't like me? And because, I, <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a way where hatred was a part of our life. Man, we hated everybody. I hated everybody. And I started seeing, well, this is, no wonder they, they treat me that way. It's because of the way I'm acting to them. And it, it became revelation to me and, and changed me a lot. I'm nowhere near the same person I was back then. Okay? But what happened is this. I believed his report. And it became reality. That's what we're talking about when he says belief. Okay? And now, it also says this. How, well, first off, how can you believe it if you don't know what it says? Some people don't read the Bible. Some people don't know what's in the Word. I was talking to uh, some people, and uh, I mean, I was born and raised Catholic, man. Tell you what, I was an altar boy, and, um, and we were in church every Sunday. One time I took the bell apart, and um, <laughs> during service, during Mass, I was, I was on my knees and had the bell and said, hey, look at this, took it apart. And my buddy was across the thing from me, and he's going, no, no, no. And... Um, all of a sudden, I see the priest is getting to the point where I'm supposed to be ringing the bell. And I go, uh-oh, I'm trying to put it together. You know how when you're nervous, things don't go together as good as they should? I couldn't get it together. And so instead of having a nice ting, 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 I had a clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> and, the, and the priest is like, and he looks, he's like, I, well, later my buddy and I, we were laughing so hard, we were actually laying on the floor laughing about it, but. Anyway, but, but you know, we didn't know. We never read the Bible back then. I didn't read it. We had a nice one. It's about that thick with gold down the, around the perimeter of it and stuff. Sitting on the coffee table. Never put anything on top of it. That's our Bible. Never open it either. <laughs> I didn't know what was in it, you know? So um, anyway, if you don't know what's in it, how are you going to believe God for it? Now, he says here, he says, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, the word griefs and sorrows, if you look them up in the concordance, they mean sickness and pain. He bore that. And there's been times lately when, not too long ago, when I was in pain of, you know, something hurt, you know, because, I mean, I've worked physically for 45 years, and something was hurting, and I said, Lord, I'm not taking this pain. You bore that pain. And I trust you. I give it to you. You take it. And within just a couple of seconds, couple minutes, whatever, it was gone. Totally gone. All right? And I said, thank you, Father. Thank you. All right? And he carried our sorrows. He carried our sickness. We don't have to carry it. It's kind of like if I have a truck deliver stuff out to a job site, now I don't go and say, oh, 
you know, I want to be humble about this. Take this back to the warehouse. I'll carry it out here on my back by myself. No, I ain't doing that. We go ahead and we get, him, you know, get it delivered and thank you and we put it up. Okay, and that's the way it is in the Word. You don't have to carry sickness and disease around with you. That's been carried by Jesus. Don't get that thing out of order. He carried it, let him carry it. And he did it for you and for you and you and you. He did it for all of us, every one of us, okay? Now, at the end it says, with his stripes we are healed. Okay, in verse 5. Now, when they put those stripes on his back, in, in the Roman law, you were only supposed to have one punishment. Either you get the stripes or you get on a cross. You don't get both. But Jesus took them both. That's because it was the plan of God. And when he took those stripes on his back, they used a whip that was made out of leather, long strings of leather, and they would embed in the leather pieces of lead, anything sharp, which would dig in. And so they tied him to a post, and when they whipped him, that thing would go, and it would like it would stick, kind of like Velcro. You know, it would stick. And then when they pulled it back, it would rip the skin and flesh off of his back. This, and he did this intentionally for you and for me. He laid his life down. No one took it from him. He laid it down. Okay? So he took those stripes. Now he took 39 stripes. I've always been confused between 29 and 39. 39, I think it is. Okay? But listen to this. I had a, a nurse tell me one time, she said, you know, there's 39 major categories of sickness and disease. I didn't know that. I still don't know it. I just trust what she said. 39, but, but you know what? That whole thing, that smacks of God. You know what I'm saying? Because when uh, he's always way ahead of us, he's always extremely accurate, and that would be something that he would do. It's just like where Jesus was crucified. It was right in the vicinity of where Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac, right in the same little area, okay? And that's, that's God. He's always, he's always got everything planned way ahead. Um, now, did you notice in with his stripes, we are healed? It's present tense. It's not past tense. You know, this, this part of the Bible was written probably about 3,000 years ago. It was written before the time of Jesus. It was a prophecy about our Savior. Okay? And then it was fulfilled about 2,000 years ago. Well, here's the thing. That word are, that made it applicable right then when the guy wrote it, when the prophet Isaiah wrote it. But it also made it applicable on the day that Jesus took those strikes. And it also brings it right into modern day. We are healed today. No putting it off. It's now. What else is now? How about Hebrews 11.1? 1? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. That's now. That's present tense. You can, you can be like Pharaoh of, of old when Moses was bringing, or when God was bringing those plagues on the land and using Moses as his mouthpiece. Okay? He said, uh, Pharaoh, when do you want me to get rid of these frogs? 
You know, because Pharaoh agreed to let the people go, right? When do you want me to get rid of these frogs? Yeah, tomorrow, get rid of it tomorrow. I just want to spend one more night among the frogs. You know, why? Why did he say that? It's because what he was operating in is hope. He had no faith. It was hope always puts off till tomorrow what faith takes right now. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I know God's going to heal me. I said, well, keep going, keep studying, because <laughs> you got your hope up, but that ain't faith. If you're going to, God's heal you, God has healed you, and it's now, okay? And he, it's always, always God's will to heal. He never says, oh, except so-and-so. I've done this for everybody, but, but this person here. He don't say that. No, it's for you, it's for me, it's for every single one of us. It's for, he did this for everyone in the entire world. They're just not receiving it, okay? And how are you going to receive it unless you know what it is? Healing is available several different ways in the Bible. He's, he's got it all over the Bible, okay? But my question to you is this. Have you done exactly what he said to do to receive your healing? Most people at this point say no because they don't know exactly what he said. And that's what I'm going to go over with you today because I don't want to leave you in that condition. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 4. Now, this is uh, Solomon wrote this, and it's about, you know, it's from David. His father said this to him, but it was prophetic in the way that it was God speaking it through David to Solomon because he wanted to have it written down here for us. Now, you, you ever think about what God did when he had the Bible written? He went and he had a perfect image on the inside of him. And in there is love, in there is faith, in there is all the good things that we like. He went and took that image on the inside of him and spoke it and bridged the gap between the spirit realm and the flesh realm, it went into a man's mind or a woman's mind. He got it through to them. They wrote it down. And then when you and I read it, that word, and if we read it out loud, that word goes, goes in our eyes, in our mind. We speak it out our mouth, and there's little tiny bits of faith and love in that. And it goes back in our ears and fills our spirits. Think about that, right? He taught me also and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. That's a good deal, huh? Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve you. Love her, and she shall keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. Okay? So he's telling you what to do, right? He's giving you very specific instructions. Get wisdom. Get it about how to do things in life. And then with all you're getting, get understanding. The two of them are very kin, but one has to do with understanding everything that's going on. The other, stand is, the other thing has to do with knowing how to operate and how to deal with it. Okay? Now, he says in 4, verse 20, he says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. If you don't attend to his words, 
You don't even know it's God's will to heal you today. But he says, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Very specific instructions. Get in the word. Follow the word. Now, what does that mean? He says, let them not depart from your eyes. Well, in a practical matter, it doesn't mean to have your Bible like this and walking around all day. You're going to hit something, okay? But what it means is, it means don't let them go for very long. Get back in there. Study it. Every day be in the Word. And then as you're going through the day, think about it, you know, and, and meditate on it. And sometimes you'll be going on the road, hey, pull over, pull up your Bible and take a look at it. Say, what is, what is he saying here? What exactly are you saying? You know, and ask him about it. Don't let it, don't let his words uh, get away from you, okay? For they are life to those that find them. And what? What are they? health to all their flesh okay his word being in his word will give you health it'll give you life that's what it's for because god's life is in it okay keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life you flip over to verse now i'm going to read this to you you don't have to turn here a good man in luke 6 45 a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You fill your heart with God's word, then that is what will come out your mouth. If you don't, there's somebody else waiting to put their words in your mouth all the time. If you spend your time focused on the news, you're going to be talking about the news but it's not going to change anything in your life. You know, and if you don't, if you don't spend your time in God's words, then through your own mouth, you will release death on yourself. In, the, in the, our culture today, how many have ever heard the phrase, scared me to death, thrilled me to death, I'm a just dying to go. How many heard that stuff? Death is a part of the vocabulary today, but it shouldn't be, and it should never be a part of our vocabulary. Our vocabulary should be life, okay? And you know, the, whole, the whole world lives that way. The whole world flows that way. I mean, you'll get some guy just not even talking death, but he'll say something to the effect of, oh, man, beats all, everything I've ever seen. You know, I'll buy four new tires, and within a week, I'll blow two of them out. And then he does, and he, you know, he's kind of proud. He prophesied, see what I'm at? See, I told you, told you. And he prophesied, he brought it right on himself and don't even know it. Okay, but that's the, what the stream of the world is going. Okay, it's going towards death. <clears throat> so th- what's happened is this. Over time, through satanic influence, our vocabulary has taken the principles that God gave us in standard, he gave us principles to cause us to succeed, to cause us to be healed, to cause us to be better, to cause our lives to be better. And Satan has taken and corrupted the vocabulary so that it, go, it uses those principles he gave us against ourselves. Okay? Look at Mark eleven twenty three. This is Jesus, the Son of God himself. And what did he say? He says, verily, verily, I say to you, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that the things he says will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he says. Okay, here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. Uh, He doesn't say positive things only. It works with whatever you believe in here. You know, I I know of of two guys, two young men right now that are, are dead because of that. They both had motorcycles. One of them, I was a, I was an 18-year-old kid. I just bought my first new pickup truck. And I, he's a buddy of mine. We used to lift weights together and stuff. And, and we were out behind the bank. I, and he was, I was sitting on one side of the truck on the, on the you know how the, the back bed of it has the side. And I was sitting on that. He was sitting on the other one. He's looking over. Oh, this is really nice. And he's showing me his new motorcycle. And uh, three days later, I went to visit my buddy, Matty. His father owned the funeral home in town. So I walk in there, hey, Maddie, how you doing? Hey, what's this up on the board, Rob? I said, what, did his father die? No, that's a young man. I said, what? And I, three days after we were sitting on my truck, I, we walk into, they take me into the chapel, and there's my buddy stretched out in a coffin, killed in a motorcycle wreck, okay? And I was like, I mean, man, it went through me like a hot knife. I tell you what, and I sat there in the front row. There's nobody around. I just sat there. I kept looking. I'm saying, Bobby, what did you do, man? He didn't answer. He wasn't there, you know? But here's the thing. Found out later, his father used to always say, you're going to kill yourself on that thing. Yeah? You don't want to do that. If you get a kid to get and, and gets a motorcycle, um, you know, <laughs> you may not like it, but I'll tell you what, you speak life over them. You tell them, hey, you know what? You're going to come home safely. You're going to drive this thing safe. You'll never have an accident in the name of Jesus. You know, whenever my wife and I go out on our bike, it's the same thing. Or whenever I go out by myself, it's the same thing. I say, Father, I thank you. I'll return home safe and sound. I'll never have another accident. I mean, I've had five, so it's like that's enough. You know, (laughs) last one put me in the hospital. I'm not going there again. (laughs) So, oh boy. But then I have another, another buddy just a, about a month ago or so passed away. Come to find out, his mother found out he got a bike. Oh, you're going to kill yourself on that thing. You, know, you don't want to go that way. Don't do that. Don't talk that way. Okay? Now, um, Proverbs chapter 4 says here, Put away from you a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from you. Now, what are perverse lips? I mean, we all know what perverse talk is, and we don't want to be around it, okay? But, um, but what are perverse lips? I mean, is it just the few words that we've set aside as perverse? No. What perverse lips is, is saying things that are opposed and opposite of God's word. That's perverse, okay? Because it doesn't agree with the Father, and because it'll bring about death instead of life, okay? So, don't speak against yourself. And I've heard a lot of people say it. You know, oh, my arthritis. You know, when I have my arthritis, it's like, wait a minute. You know, or you fill in the blank, my whatever. You fill in the blank. Okay, uh, he's talking like that. He don't even realize. But what happens is his own words are going around that thing and just taking it for himself. And you're going to have a very difficult time getting him delivered from that if he's talking that way and won't change. Got to repent of that stuff. Got to got to throw that stuff under the bus, man. So, <clears throat> um, we should be doing and saying the things that God says for us to say, to do and to say. Now, so what does He say to do? 
We're going to get into it in a minute. Matter of fact, no, we're going to get into it right now. <laughs> Turn to James chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 14 and a couple of verses over there. He says this. He says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, who will anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, it's gonna, we're gonna, I want to really dissect this scripture and dig into it a little bit here. Okay? Is any sick among you? All right. Well, right, we don't need you know, to do that. I mean, we, most everybody has something they want to get rid of. Okay? He says, let them call for the elders of the church. Okay. So that's your responsibility. If you're sick, call for the elders of the church. How do you do that? Well, you can either call them on the phone, or you can stand out in the yard and say, Pastor! <laughs> or, or when we have a prayer line up here, or a healing line up here, Come up, and, and when you come up, though, don't come up and keep your mouth shut. Come up and say, I'm calling for the elders of the church to pray for me. Okay, now you've done what God said to do. You're being obedient to do exactly what he said you'd do. And what I have found out is that if you will do, and I will do exactly what he says to do, we'll get the results that he promised us. Now he says, now, he says, the call for the elders of the church who will anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, now elders, if there are elders watching this, you know, on, on YouTube, um, don't shortcut this. For years and years, I've been praying for people. And I'd go up to them and they'd say, I need prayer for healing. Okay. I'd, I'd take a little oil, put it on their forehead and pray for them. That's not what it says to do. And I didn't even realize it up, up until just a short, short ago. No. What you do when you anoint them with oil is you say, you take the oil. Now, the word anoint, I, I wanted to know what that meant because I want to make sure I'm not making any mistakes here, okay? So I looked it up in the concordance, and what did it say? It says, foo-for-a, 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 anoint. I said, you're a big help. So I went to my Webster's Dictionary. I looked it up there, and it says this. It says, to pour... Like when David was anointed king by Samuel. What did he do? Samuel goes in there with a thing of oil. David, David's there. He poured the oil on his head. And the oil goes down. You can imagine this. The feeling and the sensation of the oil going down his head. Right? And it going down and just dripping off either his beard or his chin, whatever he had at the time. Okay? That's anointing. Why, why did God do that? It's because it was a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming on the new king. Okay? And he can actually have a physical sensation that showed that he could feel the Holy Spirit coming on him. All right? Because don't forget, back then, they weren't born again yet. All right? And so they, they had to have a little more help. And so he could feel it. And you know what? It's still not a bad idea today. Because you feel it. Right? But the word means to pour. But now, all you ladies with your nice coiffured hair, we don't want to do that to you. 
So what we, it also says to rub or to smear. So we'll just rub it on your forehead. Very dainty like. But when we do it, I'm going to say something. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some oil on my thumb. And I'm going to say, I anoint you with oil as I rub it in. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I've done exactly what God said to do. Because that's what he said to do. They'll anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay. And I put his name in there because I like his name. All right. And then after that, it says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So how do we pray the prayer of faith? Let's do it just like he said. What I do is I say, now, Father, you saw this lady, you saw this man come up here, and they said that they, they called for the elders of the church. I'm a witness to it, and I know you saw it. Now, you said to me, you said the elders of the church would anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord, and I just did that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I did it, and you saw that. Now, you said with his stripes, you're healed. So now I stand on your word in the name of Jesus. You said the Lord, the prayer of faith shall shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And so we count on you to raise this person up. Now the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That word save is the word sozo. That's the Greek word sozo. And what it means is save, deliver, but it also means heal. Okay, so you could very easily substitute that and say, the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Because it carries with it all those meanings. Okay? And so I say, Lord, you said the prayer of faith will heal the sick. I've done everything that you told me to do. And now we stand on your word and expect you to heal them. Okay? And I'll tell you what, you do what he says. I have found him to be one person that is of his word. He never lies. Okay? So, you know, but, but you've got to do exactly what he says to do. Um, you know, I've been, I was born in a, in a building family. We build things. It's just, that's the way we are. Um, and as a builder, my father used to build homes and Sometimes it would work for, for uh, his brother. His brother, Uncle Barney, was a builder, and Dad was a builder. And I loved it, man, because, you know, I mean, a kid being around that stuff, and me and my brother would go out to the site. You know, we'd go with Dad. Can we go with you today? We'd go there. And they had just dug up the foundation, you know, and they had these huge piles of dirt. Oh, I'm telling you what, that was fun. And so if it rained, if it rained, We'd be up in the pile of dirt in the mud, right? And then we'd get the neighborhood kids and start throwing mud at them. And they'd throw it back. We'd have a big mud war. It was great. He's a builder. And that's the way we grew up, you know? And we, it was all in fun. We didn't do it maliciously. But, but what happened is this. He didn't show up to the job site. All right, the foundation's in. Here's my pile of materials. Okay. Got his plans there. Now, I know... On a job site, you'll always have a big, wide table and the plans sitting on them, okay? So you can follow those plans. You study them, and you follow them item by item. Do everything that the plans show. He didn't just take the plans and say, throw those away. I'm going to put two-by-fours over here for the floor, and I'm going to put, you know, 
Oh, we'll use two by 12s for the wall and uh, a two by four for the ceiling. For the, he, didn't, he didn't do that. And then expect the architect to bless it and have the house come out right? Uh, now, if we will give that much priority to an architect's plans when we build a house, or I'm sure whatever you do, there are plans for whatever you do. And if you'll give that much honor and authority to the people that wrote the plans, how much more should we give honor and authority to God, who is the architect of our lives and wrote the plans for our lives? How much more should we focus on what he said? You know? Don't make up your own stuff. Okay? Just do what he said to do. You know, we don't heal anybody. There's not a one of us can heal anybody, but we do our part. We do what he shows us to do. Okay? And it says here, if he has committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Now, he does that for those of us who have sinned in the past and it's bothering us and think, well, maybe God's holding this against me and won't heal me. He does that for those of us that, that are like that. Hey, you know what? He, you talk about a loving, considerate, careful God. He, 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 he loves you. And he, he overwhelmingly, I mean, if you make a mistake, he's just sitting there going, come on, come back to me. Come on, come on. I want to hold you. I, wanna, I want you back here. You know, he's not, he's not mad at you. And he does it. He forgives our sins. That's just part of the deal here. And that is, that's a sweet deal. Okay? And, um, you know, he says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Sometimes you need to get something off your chest. Okay? I got this, that, and the other thing going. Well, you know what? Tell it to somebody who's not a blabbermouth. You know? And just a warning. If you tell me you committed a crime, I have to call the police. So don't tell me about any crime you committed. <laughs> I don't think you did anyway, but anyway. Um, and it says here, it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now the word effectual, that's the Greek word energio. It's like energy, but it's energio. And it means to be active, efficient, to be mighty in, to show forth zeal, or show forth self, to work effectively. Now, a fervent prayer is the word zelos. So you've got energio and zelos. And it means, to, it means heat. It means zeal. In a favorable sense, it means ardor. These things come right out of the concordance, you know. Um, and it says, in an un- unfavorable sense, uh, sense jealousy as of a husband, okay? So, so you get the picture of the passion that the prayer should be. You know, it should be, yeah, you said you'd do this, and I trust you, Father, in the name of Jesus. The passion behind it, okay? The, the, the solidness, the strength, okay? Now, it says here, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, when God looks at us, every one of us, he looks at us as mankind. We're all men, but we're female and male. It makes no difference. If you're female or male, your prayer works because God made you. Okay? And then, a lot of receiving 
has to do with the preparation. Of what have you done in your life as far as, as far as prepared yourself in the Word? Now, there's three things that can stop healing. Two of them are unforgiveness and strife. Now, strife is hatred, and that is opposite of what God is. God is love, and it won't work. You got strife with somebody, you got to let it go. You got to forgive. Why? See, forgiveness is not for that other person. Forgiveness is for you. What it does is it sets you free. Because you ever have a time happen when somebody just really wronged you, and you're sitting maybe at the breakfast table in the morning, all bent out of shape, thinking about what they did? You know, they're still controlling your life. You know, and sometimes it could be 5, 10, 20 years later. I know when I had been out of high school about 20 years, I thought back, I, I was thinking about some of the guys that did stuff to me. And I was irritated. And the Lord showed me, he said, you've got to forgive them all. I remember one, after, one Sunday afternoon laying on the couch and forgiving people. Just let it go, let it go, let it go. I'm not holding that against them. Because I don't want anything getting between me and God and me and my healing, you know. And so, and now, uh, uh, strife. Let's see, where are we here? Yeah, strife is hatred. Okay, I said it. Third thing is this. If you look at Matthew 13 and verse 54, he said, when he was come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue in as much, or in so much, that they were astonished and said, Whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Where did he get them from? How's he doing it? Now, this is his own hometown. It says, is not this the carpenter's son? Is his not, mother called Mar- is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? He had four brothers. And his sisters? Now, you know he had at least two sisters because it's plural. Are they not with us? So he had at least seven kids in the family. You know, whence then does this man have these things? They knew his family. They knew him. Okay? And they were offended at him. Nowadays, people get offended easily. You know, offense will cost you. It will cost you. Offended in any, it will cost you. Don't do it. Let things go. I had a pastor one time that said, keep short accounts. That was probably some of the best, um, you know, the best advice I've ever heard. Keep short accounts. And don't hold things against people. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. Okay, do you realize that our unbelief can stop God from working in our lives? It can stop the God of the universe from doing things in our lives, our own unbelief, right? So let's not let that be us, you know? Now, I've had some people tell me, tell me this. They said, and this has happened over the years many times, but I just had it happen again recently. I was talking to a guy about healing. He said, oh, he said, you know, this is a thorn in the flesh, and God said, nope, I'm not taking this out. Really? Really? Now, that was that thorn in the flesh deal. That came out of uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And said here, Apostle Paul said, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, 
There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, there's a a couple of comments. Why was he given a thorn in the flesh? Because he had an abundance of revelations. So if you're saying that, tell me about your abundance of revelations. Okay? Um, Secondly, who gave it to him? Satan did. And not God, Satan. A thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Satan sent that messenger. Now here's basically, this is the way I see and understand it. It was not sickness and disease. It was people, either a person or people, sent to buffet him, sent to stop him. Why? Because he had a revelation. He's trying to give it to people, trying to preach, trying to share things with people. Satan wanted to stop it, so his, his way of doing it was to send the messenger to stop it. And Paul just called it a thorn in the flesh. That's what I see. Okay? And um, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Okay? So he's going to God and he's saying, Oh Lord, could you take this away from me? And God didn't say to do that. He said, you do it. You do it. He said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. That's what Jesus said. In my name. Did he say, no, uh, in my name they'll call on me and I'll uh, say, okay, you got to get out of here. No. He said, in my name they will cast out devils. So we have to stand up on our own two feet, being mature Christians, and say, no, in the name of Jesus, stop, Satan. Get out of there. Okay? We have to do that. You know, now he said, he said, my, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. See, he knew what he was talking about. When we hear my grace is sufficient for you, we think, ah, it's good enough. And it'll get you through, just hang in there. But that's not what it was saying. The word grace, the word grace in the Greek is the word charis. And what it means is this. It means the influence of God, the divine influence of God on a person and its reflection in that person's life. How many of you have been born again 10 years or more? Are you the same person you were before then? Or are you completely revamped. Huh? You see? You know, why? I mean, when I got born again, I was born again when I was eight. But I didn't know anything until I was in my 20s. Once I started learning, I am not the same person I was back then. Nowhere near it. Okay? And now I know I have authority over Satan. And now how did I get all that? I got that by hanging out with our father. You know? And I know you're doing the same thing. Okay? So hang in there. Keep going with him. Now, that's the grace. Now, he said, now, the, is sufficient. What is the word sufficient? That is the word, the Greek word, archeho. Archeho. And what it means is to raise a barrier, to ward off, to avoid, to be enough. Okay? So what God was saying is, the things I've taught you, my presence in your life, is sufficient to raise a barrier for you against that thing that's coming against you. Okay? So, so then if you look at 2 Timothy, let's see how things worked out with Paul. 2 Timothy 3.11. Persecutions, 
afflictions which came to me at Antioch, at Lyconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Second Second Timothy. Second Timothy 4.17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known. That Now this is the part. That preaching might be fully known. That's what Satan was looking to stop. He says, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So Paul got his deliverance from that thorn in the flesh. How about you? Okay, isn't it time you let it go? Okay, so, now I've received healings from what I've told you already. Um, You know, faith, faith always begins right where the will of God is known. That's where it starts. And I've received three healings this past year by doing exactly what I've told you. Um, A year ago, January, so it was January 2020, I was out shoveling my driveway, and I got this wide shovel, and I run across the driveway with it and shovel it, you know, if it's only a little bit of snow. Too much, I use a snowblower. But what happened was I was running, and there was ice under the snow that I didn't know was there, and wham, I went down. My knee went down into the ground just like that. Okay, and it, just like a pile driver, man. I said, uh-oh, no pain. No pain at all. I said, hey, cool. I kept going. Next day, no pain. A week, no pain. It was no pain for a whole year. Then all of a sudden, this past January, it swelled up. I said, boy, you sure, you know, pick a fine time to, to show up. And I said, I'm not taking this in the name of Jesus. No, I won't take it. Okay? Your first words. What are your first words when something starts happening? That is, that is huge. First words are so important. And I said, I'm not taking this in the name of Jesus. That's not mine. Okay? And so what I did, I had been studying on this James chapter 5. And I waited. That thing stuck with me a couple of months. And finally, I came to Pastor Dan. And I said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I need you to anoint me with oil and pray the prayer of faith over me, and I'll be healed. So he did. Within like, like I, sleeping at night with my knee like that, what was happening was, you know, if I rolled on my side, it would ache. If I put my knee against it on my side, it would ache, you know, and hurt. Sometimes some sharp pains. But after a couple of days, all of a sudden, no more pain. And it, it, it was like, it didn't go instantly like that. It just went away little, 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 little. And within a couple of weeks, it was totally gone. The, heat, the knee is not swelled up. It's back to normal. And I ran my, my, almost a mile this morning. <laughs> before service, okay? Um, then, three weeks ago, I, you know, when you work in the construction business, you're always using your arms, and you're always, you know, using your back and everything. So uh, my, my right arm started hurting. It was like blazing, you know? And I went up to Pastor Dan, I said, you know what? I said, I need you to anoint me with oil in the name of the Lord and pray that prayer of faith because my elbow... And my wrist was really painful. And he did, and within a day. I got instant relief, but then within about a day, day and a half, that thing, the pain disappeared. Okay? Ah. Then, last week, we were having a, uh, some healing. We were praying for people here. And my wife and Miss Stephanie were up there. And uh, Stephanie said, my wife needed prayer. Stephanie needed prayer. 
And so I prayed for him. And Stephanie turned to walk away. I said, wait a minute. Oh, we're all done with praying for you, but I need prayer. Because my back had been hurting for two weeks. You know? I mean, I, I get up in the morning. I roll out of bed in the morning, and it was like somebody sticking knives in my back. And it hurt. You know? Now, the problem is I have four young granddaughters, and they like to climb on Papa. And I like to pick them up and carry them around and stuff. I love it. It's just there's nothing like being a grandfather. Well, what happened is uh, the back was hurting because I had been using it like that. And so what happened is uh, uh, I had Stephanie. I, you know, she knew what the Word said. She anointed me with oil and prayed the prayer of faith. And I got to tell you, Monday morning I woke up, half pain. Tuesday morning I woke up, pain gone. You know, and this was last week. So I'll tell you, those are my three testimonies that happened in recent time. And... Um, this works. It works. I mean, God is good for his word. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.